bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, September 23rd, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Mary Church Terrell, women's rights and civil rights activist. She was born on this day in 1863. If today's human in history makes you feel horribly unaccomplished, you are not alone. I got exhausted just researching everything that she did. So in her life, Mary Church Terrell was one of the first black women to get a college degree. She was a charter member of the NAACP. She was the founder of the National Institute of Colored Women. She was the founder of the National Association of College Women. She was the first black woman to be appointed to a school board in a major city, in her case in DC. And she was just a powerhouse woman and a civil rights activist. But the woman also came from exceptional stock. So let's set the stage here. Mary was born on this day in 1863 in Memphis to two very notable parents. Her father was Robert Reed Church, the first black millionaire in the South. He had made his fortune in buying and selling real estate in Memphis after the city was partially wiped out in the yellow fever epidemic of 1878. Her mother was Louisa Ayers, a successful entrepreneur who was one of the first black women to start a hair salon. She catered to the very wealthy and made herself quite wealthy, even without her husband's fortune. Both Robert and Louisa had been formerly enslaved and were of mixed heritage. Due to their substantial fortune and the light color of their skin, they were considered Memphis black elites during the Reconstruction era. Robert and Louisa would eventually divorce, and Robert ended up remarrying two more times. Mary's mother felt that the public schools in Memphis would not provide her daughter a suitable education, so Mary was sent to the Antioch College Model School in Ohio for elementary and secondary education, followed by a degree in classics from Oberlin College, which was the first college in the country to accept both women and students of color. Mary was one of the first women of color to attend, and she finished her degree in 1884. She was the class poet, and she participated in multiple literary journals. So back then at Oberlin, there were two tracks for a degree based on your gender. If you wanted a degree in, let's say, math, and you were a man, it would take four years to complete. This was called the gentleman's path. If you were a woman going for a degree in math, you would be put on a two-year ladies path. I can only assume the thinking being that women couldn't handle four years of college. But Mary, being the absolute savage that she is, insisted on completing her degree on the four-year gentleman's path. She would go on to graduate alongside two other women of color who became lifelong partners in women and civil rights activism. Their names were Anna Julia Cooper. She's going to be our human in history on August 10th. And Ida Gibbs. She will be our human in history on November 16th. In 1888, Mary completed a master's in education at Oberlin, making her one of the first two women of color to earn a master's, the other being Anna Julia Cooper. She started teaching at Wilberforce College in Ohio, then she moved to D.C. where she held a few positions, including superintendent of Dunbar High School, becoming actually the first woman to do so. She then moved to Europe for two years to study, becoming fluent in French, Italian, and German while she was there. When she came back to the U.S. in the early 1890s, she shifted her focus from teaching to advocating for the rights of black women following the lynching death of her friend Thomas Moss, whose business had competed with other white-owned stores. 
She was a voracious writer. Two of her most known works were the 1904 Lynching from a Negro's Point of View, which sought to explain why the excuses used for lynching black men were always false, and her 1940 autobiography, A Colored Woman in a White World. She would write under pen names advocating for racial equality in white and black publications. She and six other prominent female civil rights activists formed the Colored Women's League in 1892. Their goal was to elevate and support the African-American community, as well as helping women of color to aim for a life that had more in it than just work and church. Their group melded with the blossoming Federation of Afro-American Women, and together they became the National Association of Colored Women. Their new mission was to help black women support one another while also working against racism, as well as providing daycares and schools for black children. Mary was nominated president three times, accepting the first two terms and declining the third. While she was at the helm of all of this, she also founded the National Association of College Women, which led to her being elected to the D.C. Board of Education, becoming the first black woman in America to do so. Her focus would narrow a bit after this, honing in on the black female vote. She had pioneered the cause since her Oberlin days, but it was becoming increasingly evident that major change would have to come through the changing of laws and the undoing of Jim Crow, and this required representation. She befriended Susan B. Anthony, and she became one of the few black women allowed to lecture at the meetings of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. On February 18th, 1898, she just dropped the hammer in a speech entitled The Progress of Colored Women, in which she directly called out the NAWSA for only fighting for the voting rights of white women. The association was totally receptive to the idea, and the media just ate it up. The sensation didn't translate into action on a federal level because it would end up being over six decades before Congress passed the Voting Rights Act of 1965. In 1904, she spoke at the International Congress of Women in Berlin. She was the only black woman there. She delivered her speech first in German, then in French, and then in English. In 1909, she was asked to help found the NAACP along with journalist Ida B. Wells. They were the only two black women asked to do so. During World War I, she campaigned for the rights and services for black servicemen, including providing them good-paying jobs after the war ended. She was invited to speak at the International Peace Conference when the war ended, and she stayed with H.G. Wells and his wife in England during that time. She also continued to push for a 19th Amendment and started a fight that would lead to the desegregation of restaurants in D.C. in 1953. Mary died two months after Brown v. Board of Education at age 90 on July 24, 1954, in Maryland. She was predeceased by her husband, Robert Heberton Terrell, an attorney, and survived by her daughter, Phyllis, a civil rights activist. My sources today were the National Women's History Museum, Wikipedia, and the Library of Congress. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Mary Church Terrell. Please join me tomorrow, September 24th, when we celebrate the birth and life of Hollywood's first female Chinese-American director and LGBTQ icon, Esther Eng. See you then.